It is the Rutgers bye week, and the war games are up soon with the bulk of the Rutgers Big Ten schedule. A tough start to the Rutgers season, as you all know, but the Rutgers Scoutcast episode 78 has arrived to break things up for you. We've talked on and on, and anyone that watched that Ohio State game probably doesn't want to talk too much about what happened because there isn't a lot of positive to say. There's really just not a lot to say. Rutgers got blown out. And uh, it's time to move on. So for the Rutgers Scoutcast and me as your host, Sam Hellman, the focus of this bye week episode will be on the recruiting trail. No guest this week because, well, Sam Hellman is on his own recruiting trail. As you listen to this, I am in the uh, Washington, D.C. area getting ready to take a couple of steps in the recruiting world to bring you something interesting and a little different during the bye week. So stay tuned. Brian Doan on the road doing some recruiting work as well, but he joins us in the show to talk about some commitments, some decommitments, um, talk about where we're going to be on the road this week, take a mailbag, close out the show. But before we welcome Brian Doan into the show, I have a different kind of a welcome, and that is a welcome to the new Scarlet Report. I've teased some good news for a couple weeks now, and unless you've been living under a rock or are not following what's going on, that news is now public. Scarlet Report and the Scout Network have merged with the 24-7 network in what will be one of a million mergers between the two companies. We were one of the first ones to do it, and as some of the pioneers of doing this, it was a lot of fun. You know, It's not all easy decisions. Some of it does come down to business, but at the end of the day, We've got our strongest Scarlet Report community to date. With me as your publisher, we've welcomed on two new staff members in Ryan Lance and Matt Agnoli. And uh, Brian Fonseca is, of course, still with us through the end of his semester as an intern. Now, I say it's good news. What does that mean? Well, it means we've got more people on staff, we've got a bigger community, and we've got an even... Okay, we're already all over the place working around the clock. I'm already in as many places as I can be. I don't. We don't take days off and mail it in and write from home on Scarlet Report, and we're still not going to do that on the new Scarlet Report. And some of you might be thinking, new? What's new? Well, not that much, really. I mean, we've gone through some changes behind the scenes, but it's the same site. It's the same general format. It just means that we're going to be able to give you a better product. If you have any questions about what that means, feel free to reach out to me. As of now, I will identify as a member of the 24-7 CBS Sports family, but, well, it's kind of hard to keep track sometimes. It's kind of like Rutgers offensive coordinators. But that's enough behind-the-scenes nonsense. I'm guessing most of you don't really care or didn't notice about that stuff, so instead of rambling on and on, you can ask me or check out the site for more information, but otherwise... Here we go with the news for this week, starting off with myself and National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan. Welcome into the news here on the Rutgers Scoutcast, or I guess, do we call it the 24-7 cast? Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to rebrand or make new graphics, but I'm sure everyone saw the news this week. Now with uh, your National Recruiting Analyst, Brian, I don't know who you work for. I'm not really sure who I work for. So CBS. Uh, must be nice to know who you work for. I'm not totally sure, but what I am sure of is that we have another fun episode this week. It is a bye week at Rutgers, and instead of reminding everyone and rehashing a, a blowout loss to Ohio State, we're going to put the focus on recruiting where a lot of stuff is going on right now. Some good, some bad. 
Some confusing. <laughs> yeah, fake news. So, the details and the real information and analysis, as you know, is available on scarletreport.com. It is Scarlet Report of the 24-7 Sports Network, I think. Go over the general stuff that's been going on, Brian. I guess we should start with our weekly scout on the road, recapping where we were last week covering stuff and looking ahead to the weekend as you listen to this Friday or Saturday or Thursday night or whenever you do. Brian, where were you and what did you see over the last uh, weekend? Well, on uh, Thursday night, because of the Jewish holiday, went out on a Thursday night and I watched Elijah McAllister at Rumson Fairhaven, the 6'6 tight end who's now a D-end. Has Rutgers, you know, he was was there for the UW game to start the season, went to Boston College this past weekend, also visited South Carolina. I, I watched him play defensive end mostly. And I had heard talk from coaches about looking at him as a D-end, and schools were looking at him. Um, I remember going, you know, Michigan State offered him early on as a D-end. And I didn't fully buy it, but then when I watched him play D-end, and, you know, they lined him up a little bit at receiver, not a, as an inline blocker, but really out on the edge. Uh, I, I thought he looked more natural playing defensive end. His motor is tremendous. He knew his assignment, smart kid who really, you could tell, watches film. And he had a big impact on the game. I think when you're coming off two ACLs, you want to see him be able to bend a little bit more. Uh, I think that'll come with it with some flexibility. And then the next day, I went to see Friendship Collegian out of Washington, D.C. play at the Hun School. I uh, got a chance to see, you know, I don't know how many people are going to care about seeing Bobby Haskins, a Hun converted tight end who's going to UVA, but he looked good. Caden Wallace, the 2019 four-star who has visited Rutgers. He looked good. He he played tackle, but I think he's more of a guard. That's where we project him as. And on the plays where he pulled, I mean, hopefully you guys watched the highlights that were on the, the site earlier in the week. He looked good. He moves really well. He's athletic, just needs to refine his technique. And then the other kid I'll tell you about is, you know, I, I mentioned him after I was down at the school in, I want to say, late August, early September. Josh Henderson, the running back for the Hunt School. He's a 2019 kid. Lex Rutgers had camped there, had been on campus before. He was interesting. He has Toledo and Central Florida offers. I would have liked to have seen him break a few runs to really um, cement his status as a, as a higher-level Division One prospect, but good vision, good change of direction, ability to pick up 8, 10, 12 yards when the play was blocked for three. So he was impressive. I just want to see his development as the season goes on. I think the thing that's interesting with McAllister is, like you said, more of a focus on the defensive line. Rutgers, as we record this, has 20 commitments in its recruiting class. We'll get into that a little bit later. But you'd think that at least two of those four slots go to defensive linemen, whether that's interior or exterior. I think it's going to just be best available. For the most part, I'd be looking for best available for the last four slots. I did not hit the road for football this weekend. Instead, I took my talents to the rack for Midnight Madness and the first official practice of the season for Rutgers basketball. Obviously, two different events. There's the practice that matters and then Midnight Madness, which is just loud noises and explosions for an hour. Uh, My biggest takeaway from the weekend is that this is not the Corey Sanders show anymore. Corey Sanders is one of the most talented players on the team, but that doesn't mean he's going to start every game or he's going to play 30 minutes a night because they brought in two capable ball handlers that are completely bought in 
They have different skill sets, and I think that it helps take some pressure off of Corey Sanders and also helps you push Corey Sanders to work harder because he has legitimate competition for that point guard role. As far as Midnight Madness, it was a complete waste of time. It was fun if you're a recruit. It was fun if you're a young fan or whatever. But the second that Corey Sanders bows out of a dunk contest, I'm out. I love that you're not a young fan. You have nothing to do with being young anymore. No, I'm 29. I'm old. I think uh, the biggest thing in talking to you and talking to people about what's going on with basketball this year is uh, Corey Sanders needs to understand what his role is and play in control and work hard or he's not going to be playing as much. Yeah, and that's a good thing for Rutgers that they don't have to rely on him if you know, Corey Sanders, it's a good thing for Corey Sanders too, because it'll make it, he's either going to have to be more focused, or he's going to watch a lot of games. Correct. Now we'll obviously have tons of Rutgers basketball coverage. I mean, I'll probably be at a practice a week the rest of the season. Media days coming up, both Big Ten and Rutgers media day over the next couple of weeks. So on the road this weekend, we're still weighing our options. I would say there's some good games that I can say that I will definitely be in the DMV this weekend. By the time you listen to this, I'm already in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. I'm going to see Calvert Hall play Gilman. Calvert Hall, of course, the home of offensive line commit Reggie Sutton, as well as Rutgers freshman linebacker Tyshawn Fogg. Fun program to watch. Great coach, and I'm excited to meet with Reggie and see him play this season. I can't wait for you to bring back the game film so I can check it out and really see what he looks like because you and I saw him at a camp over the summer and we both said you know Rutgers was looking for an offensive lineman and there was nobody close to him he he was that good and I want to and he made a lot of progress from the end of his junior year so I'm curious to see how that uh, finishes up and then I'm going to go check out Blair Academy on Saturday night they also have a 2019 defensive end that I'll be writing about and, and he was at the game against Ohio State and he's excited about Rutgers he's a lot like Awe in that he doesn't have a ton of experience remember Awe came from playing basketball to football same with uh, this defensive end and I'm curious not to see how far along he is in the process but I'm more interested to see how athletic he is and that's one of the things that when you're talking about DNs and who Rutgers is going to try and go get, you want athleticism. I, I know, Sam, you and I, at the, before the Ohio State game, when we were down on the field, we saw a 2019 DN, uh, Asita Isaac, out of Canarsie, who Chris Ash went and visited the school on Monday. That's what you're looking for. You know, Isaac is a kid that explodes off the ball, really moves well, uh, just has to get a lot stronger and bigger. And that's what you're looking for in DN, so that's what I'm curious to say. Right now, it's looking like Brian Fonseca will be on Staten Island this weekend to see Ahmad Anderson in action. Ahmad Anderson's ha- had some pretty impressive catches, and I'm sure people have seen that stuff, but I'd like to see an actual game film to see if it's just these catches and how he looks on these plays where they're not throwing him the ball or it's not a spectacular catch. Uh, other than that, we might be going to see Zamar Wise this weekend, and that's where we really transition here into 2019 recruiting because Zamar Wise, it's a name that we've discussed a lot and we're going to be discussing it a lot more because 
he, Friday night before the Ohio State game, became the first member of the Rutgers 2019 recruiting class, quarterback out of Barringer, big-time prospect in terms of what's available in New Jersey, a guy that wants to lead this class, and a guy that you've written about a lot that you like. I do like him from the standpoint of he's a, a dual threat. I know some people have argued and say pro-style because there is a negative connotation sometimes with a dual threat, but I think of it as a positive because Zamar Wise, he has arm strength. He just doesn't always stride into the throw to really show it off. Throws a pretty deep ball. He's really composed and really just at ease and relaxed in the pocket. But when the play breaks down, he can go. He can run and he can make a lot of yards with his feet. And the other thing that he can do is, now look, he's 6'2", 170, 175, plays basketball in the winter, so that all you know keeps him from really putting on more weight, which is no big deal to me. But if you want to run read option with him, you can do it, and he'll, I mean, he's not going to run you over like Jonathan Lewis did in high school, but he will make some moves, and, and he will get yardage, and he, it's what so many schools are doing right now, pretty much all of them that are going to be successful, unless you have Sam Darnold or, or Josh Rosen or somebody like that, so it makes a lot of sense, and I, I think one of the other things that's important, Sam, is, and Zamar's a pretty quiet kid, you know that, yeah. I know that. You know, when he's going to do interviews, he's not going to go on forever about things. But talking to him, talking to other recruits, this is what you want. This is what people needed to see from a New Jersey quarterback. His goal is to go out there and bring the top kids from Jersey in. And there was a lot of hope that Arthur Sikowski could do that in the 2018 class. He committed to Miami, obviously. Um, Zamar Wise wants to do that. One of the first things he said to me was, hey, I'm committed, but I'm going to be working really hard. And I know one of his good friends wound up showing up to game against Ohio State and Nequee Hawkins. And here's a little bit of a teaser for you. After Sam drops this podcast, I'll jump on the board and give a little Nequee Hawkins update. There we go. Great time to check out the new merged 24-7 scout community on Scarlet Report. It's been a seamless transition this week. So, and and I, I do want to say something, Sam, because everybody talks about the 24-7 and scouting. CBS with 24-7, just like you said, seamless transition. And we were always worried about what was going to happen with things. If you all remember back to the Fox Sports Next days when uh, the site shut down for two days because of they are trying to transition something, that they're able to pull this off and make it seamless and, and keep people in the loop on what's going on is just fantastic and I think that's what speaks so well to you know the future of this business future of Scarlet Report is just it's so this is a complex issue and they made it go seamless and I think that's important for people to know now we just need the new free gear or at least I do so (laughs) if you're listening Ben so Zamar Wise a lot of people call him I've been following him for maybe eight months really since his sophomore tape popped onto my radar. They call him Bruce Wayne. You know who that is, right? Of course I know who that is. Just making sure. The problem I have with that is I feel like now when I go interview him, I'm going to feel like Alfred. So they call him Bruce Wayne because he's quiet, he just does his thing, and then kind of a switch flips when it's either time to play or time to, when the game's over, it switches back off. This is a guy that will vanish the second that an event is over as soon as the football is done he is gone 
<laughs> that is such a yes because I remember walking up to him at one of the camps. I can't remember if it was Nike. It was it may, Nike. It may have even been down in DC when I was down there covering a Nike down there and walk over his mar I need to get you after this event. Yeah, no problem. And you know, hey just hang out for two minutes. When everybody jumps in, you'll be the first guy. Yeah, no problem. Look around at the quarterbacks. Where'd Samarco? <laughs> it's to the point where he, at Under Armour, as soon as the quarterback drills were done, he didn't even stay for like the presentations. He was gone. He's just there to play football. And while it's frustrating for me personally, I think you love it if you're Rutgers because it's a football guy. And it's not just, look, to be honest, if you've ever seen a Barringer football game, if you remember the old Kamoko Ture tapes, it's not the most disciplined or organized high school football I've ever seen. Now, they do a good job, but it's not exactly what I'd call a pro-style program. So what helps Zamar Wise is he is also involved in 7-on-7 seven seven in quarterback training, and he will be all over the Rutgers campus over the next year and a half so he can get that experience he needs because, as we're about to discuss in Part 3 of the news, Brian, Rutgers needs some quarterbacks and quarterbacks that can play early because it's not like you can just go all in on Jonathan Lewis and say, this is all we got, this is all we need. There's other stuff out there. Zamar Wise is going to be a guy that you're going to want to come in and and be ready to contribute early. Yeah, I mean, well, you want to transition into Sean Chambers decommitting and going to Wyoming? Yeah, well, we got got two decommitments since the last podcast, so I figure give our take on them and – do you think that this is the the dreaded spiral out of control? Because I don't, but, I mean, we'll see. You lose I, two kids in a week, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm not saying it's happening. There's nobody out there who's on the brink of decommitting, checked with a lot of different people about it. Um, the, the biggest thing is this is why it's tough to recruit. 3,000 miles away or 1,000 miles away. As soon as something goes south, you're looking for excuses. And then, you know, you almost got this sense with uh, EJ out of Georgia that it was going to happen as soon as somebody else got, you know, more schools came involved and, and Rutgers was a placeholder. And I get it. Rutgers takes it because while it looks difficult now, at the time, it helps them because it builds depth in the class and it allows them to get commitments from other kids that maybe wanted to wait a little longer. So my thing with E.J. Turner is, look, anytime you have a wide receiver whose quarterback is, what, top five player in the country, number one player in the country, like big time, everyone's going to come see him. Someone will fall in love with Turner, maybe, or at least be talking to him. And when you have all these schools coming to see a five-star quarterback, and even if 30% of those schools go say hello to E.J. Turner, he's going to start thinking, well, I should be looking at these schools. And if you're Rutgers, having four months to find a wide receiver is not that much of an issue. Well, they already have receivers committed in this class, first of all. And then the second part of it is, aside from the receivers already committed, it allows you to maybe say, okay, we'll look somewhere else. See, I always looked at Turner as a kid who could possibly play D.B., now bless Austin's back for another year because of the injury. So it gives you time in that. So I think with Rutgers, it gives them a chance to really decide on whoever they want to take. And maybe they go take uh, uh, another tight end or maybe they go take a 
you know, whatever, you know, running back, whoever, who, best available guy, maybe something like that. You go, you go get somebody that you need at the end of the cycle to fill out your class. I think that's what you do now. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I don't feel like Rutgers needs to add another wide receiver. I mean, if someone that the staff falls in love with late, like a Hunter Hayek or whatever, is available in January and they decide they really like him, great. Use the offer on a receiver. But if you feel like there's a tight end that comes on late, like Travis Vokalek, and you want to do that instead, go do that. I think other than defensive line, where Rutgers needs to add more people, best available. I completely agree. And that's the same with quarterback. If you find a quarterback that you really want to replace Sean Chambers, go get him. But don't feel like you have to bring in another scholarship quarterback as an incoming freshman. Maybe you save that scholarship to try a little JUCO or a transfer or a grad transfer or something. Who knows? I mean, you can yeah. be a little more flexible. You don't have to take another quarterback. You can, but as far as a JUCO at Rutgers, <laughs> I mean, you know, because of right, the, right. I mean, they, they basically have to be qualified out of high school to be able to get into Rutgers as a JUCO. Um, yeah, I mean, geez, Louise, it's just not a uh, it's not an avenue they're going to go down. Mike, Michael Bear qualified out of high school. He's at a JUCO. So I guess just to wrap up here in the news in our decommitment chatter Sean Chambers flips to Wyoming essentially and probably not the best move having Lester Herb come out to see you then you decommit to Herb and then so, you commit to Wyoming right after so one one of the good things about this job is you really get a chance to see how things are done differently different ways of doing things and it helps you form decisions and how you're going to do things in, if you have kids and you're and I'm not saying kids will be recruited but just decisions and, and doing things the right way because you can really sit back and be like what are you kidding me um it, just a really unfortunate situation that I I mean the best way I can say it is I don't fault a kid for when when kids make decisions and do things like this I can't expect a 17-year-old kid to always understand the right way to do things. No, and what I'll say is that it wasn't a completely wasted trip for Lester Herb because at least he popped up to Narbonne High School afterwards where Jalen Chapman is saying all the right things and wants to be and still be the leader of this recruiting class. That's why I think it's an even bigger travesty and a waste of time because now you wasted your trip out there Maybe you were going to go out later. You now can't go see Jalen Chapman. You you can't see him. So you're done with them. You have no ability to get to his school and watch his games. None. So to me, it, it, it made it even worse. And welcome into the Rutgers ScoutCast mailbag for this week. As always, you can tweet me with your questions, and that is at Sam Hellman 247 at Sam Hellman 247 just to be clear I, that has changed uh, you can email me you can this is this is where you should just tell the people you know the new the new folks that came over from 247 just give them your address because we've had a lot of people just stop by your residence and just hand you a sheet of paper with their questions well look all I can say is that I'm really starting to appreciate what Guy, a guy like, say, Gary Nova went through where you have a different offensive coordinator every year. 
I have no idea what terminology I'm supposed to be using. Am I, am I in no huddle? Am I in shotgun? Am I doing video? Am I doing articles? I have no idea. So I'm going to confuse things at times. And on top of that, I'm doing technical support for two different uh, message boards that have now become one. So I'm going to miss stuff. I'm going to get confused. I'm old now. Deal with it. Uh, as far as our question for this week, both of them actually came from a 247 member that said that they listened to the podcast. They were excited to have the sites merge, I guess, and, and have more access to what we have on Scarlet Report. And the on-topic question, and please be nice, Brian, it's a new member. <laughs> the question, well, wait, wait, wait. If this member has listened to the podcast, they know what they're getting into with questions. All right. Well, I'm curious to see how you answer this question because the question is, why are we not seeing enough Bo Melton at wide receiver? Why are guys like Jawan Harris and DeCovin Bailey playing instead? Uh, because they're doing better than him in practice. Because just because you're a four-star kid who has to understand route running, has to understand... Um, you know, the concepts of the route tree, where are you going to go based on where the safety is, what you're doing, you have to be able to do that. Are you a good route runner? Can you get out of your bricks? Are you quick with it? How's Bo at blocking? Because he didn't do a ton of it down at Cedar Creek. And if you're going to play in college football, you better be able to block. The short answer to it is because he's not as good as the other guys right now. Now, he has a chance to be better than the other guys, but he's not. And that's why you're not seeing him. And, you know, I, I spoke to a college coach the other day about this. And it always amazes me, you know, that people think otherwise. Oh, this guy wants to play this guy because he's his guy. No. They play the guy they think is the best. And they do it because if they don't win, they lose their jobs. And I'm not saying Chris Ash is going to lose his job if he doesn't win this year. What I'm saying is the better you play, the better it helps your progression of your program. So you play the guy who's best at that point to help you win. That's why Bo Melton's not playing. He's not good enough yet. Now, I agree, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot more Bo Melton soon, especially if... But that's, okay, but that's common. Talking. Yeah, yeah, but that's common. I mean, Anthony Davis didn't start until midway through his freshman year. It takes time. That's part of the process of being a freshman. It takes time to learn everything. And now he gets a whole week of back to fundamentals to kind of, you know, catch his breath on what's going on. Are you good? Yeah, continue. Sorry. You need to catch your breath on what's going on? No, no, no. I'm good. Yeah. I can talk for a long time. I've noticed. So my thing with Bo is... You look at him and what he's done on film in games, and that should tell you what you need to know so far. Yeah, he caught a big pass against Morgan State. Whoopee. He has had multiple special teams errors, critical errors, that have borderline cost the team games, or at least massive momentum switches. The uh, missed tackle on Pearsonell, where all you got to do is chip him out of bounds. The 15-yard penalty against Washington that started to shift the momentum. On top of that, Bo Melton isn't the kind of receiver that usually comes in and plays early. You have four and five star receivers that come in and play right away, but they're they're Kenny Britts and Mohamed Sanu's that are super physical big guys that can block and have good hands and run routes. Bo is a speedster. He still needs to put on weight and learn. And let's not forget, he's 18 years old. Like, give him a break. I was going to say, Mohamed Sanu, if you remember, did not play his senior year of high school because he was too old. Yeah, I think he's like 48 right now, and he's only on his second wow, NFL contract. older than me. Older than I am is the correct grammar. Well, no, I thought you said you were 29. But anyway, <laughs> the, uh, the, the other thing I was going to say just quickly before we please can move on from this so you, you know we don't have to hear it anymore... 
Jawan Harris has made a lot of mistakes early in the season. I don't think he won anyone over with the... He's the baseball player? Yeah, with the suspension or the amount of time he spent playing baseball. And that's, of course, some of his absence has been injury-related, but I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see a lot more Melton and Everett Wormley in his place because drops have been an issue, not fighting for 50-50 balls and uh, giving up on some routes. You mean the Ohio State one where over the middle where it was thrown to his back shoulder and he just looked like he didn't even know the ball was coming? Well, it was actually a decent throw and where it should have been, and he had no care in the world that it was coming his way. And, that, that. and, and it was a better than decent throw because what people probably didn't realize at the game is that was tipped at the line of scrimmage, still had enough zip on it to hit the receiver in his hands, but instead it went to Greg Shiano's defense the other way. And the off-topic question, Brian, I, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this one or not, but uh, what is your favorite fall television show that you're watching right now? Why don't you go first on that one, and I'll think about it. All right, well, as uh, thrilled as I am to have Curb Your Enthusiasm back, it's only been one episode as this airs, so I can't really choose that. Uh, big fan of American Horror Story, even for someone that doesn't like politics, this has been a hilarious season. But uh, my choice would be Vice Principals on the HBO Network starring Danny McBride, a.k.a. Kenny Powers, and Walton Goggins, who was an epic villain in the show, Justified. It's just fun, stupid high school comedy. It's basically what if Kenny Powers was a teacher, and I love it, and I highly recommend anyone watch it that is over the age of 18. I don't know who Kenny Powers is or any of that stuff. My goodness. But I'll say this. So a couple things. I have a couple, two kids that play three travel sports, and I'm involved in my school too, that they go to. So I don't have time to do much. But So I'll tell you what my favorite time of the fall is. It's World Cup qualifier time, so the U.S. has a huge game on Friday night, enormous, against Panama. I was hoping that it would be closer and I could get to that. It's in Florida. Uh, if anybody wants to shoot me some airfare money, I'll go down to that and be able to get back up here on Saturday for a game. Huge, huge game against Panama. I have to win. You don't win, you don't go to Russia. Now, I don't know if that qualifies as my favorite show of the fall. So, what I will give you is my two favorite shows right now, and one of them, are, it's running new right now. I love Pawn Stars. I, I cannot get enough of watching Pawn Stars. As a matter of fact, when they run the the loop all day, whatever day of the week. I think they run it on Wednesdays. I'll sit there working with that on the whole time. I love Rick Harrison and listening to them. And it's just Corey and Chumley. It's just fantastic. I mean, I find it so intriguing. And I was able to go to that store when uh, we had a meeting out in Vegas, which I thought was really cool. And then the other one is um, Richard Rawlings, Fast and Loud. And now he does where he he remakes garages and, and it's really cool and fun to watch. That's kind of the stuff that, that I watch and kind of my escape from sports. Uh, having kids, I'm not going to sit there and watch, you know, young kids, I'm not going to watch a bunch of HBO and all that stuff where, where language becomes an issue or, or content becomes an issue. So those are my two favorite things in the fall. Um, if anybody out there had any question about it, I'm a extra large, if, you know, because I know Gas Monkey does sell shirts. Um, so, but that's what I'm watching. Those are my two favorite right now. Outside of the qualifier, which I don't think quali- you know qualifies as a fall show, I'm going to go Pawn Stars and Fast and Loud. Well, I'll tell you one place where language is not an issue, and that will be Sunday in Detroit, where WWE Hell in a Cell takes place. 
Well, this brings an end to the Rutgers Scoutcast bi-week edition brought to you by Carl's Jr. Thanks to everyone for listening to another episode. And like I always say, we know you have your choice in Rutgers podcasts, so thank you for choosing the Rutgers Scoutcast. We've talked about it in the open of the show as well as with Brian Doan, but I am very excited about the direction of Scarlet Report. One more welcome to Matt and Ryan joining our staff Make sure you say hello to them on Twitter or on our premium message boards, whatever you want to do. Uh, With this merger, I'm hoping to do another membership drive soon to get those numbers up, get more people involved discussing the site. Rutgers basketball is right around the corner, and I know that there is a market for Rutgers wrestling news. No No article, video, anything that I've done has been as engaged or read as my interview a couple of weeks ago with Nick Soriano which tells me people care about wrestling, and I'm going to keep covering it, so stay tuned for that. We should be back to our guest format next week with me traveling for the bye week. Just couldn't be done this time. But as far as the episode, I hope everyone enjoyed a little commitment and decommitment discussion. I'm the host of the Rutgers Scoutcast, Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening.